Welcome to Orca Podcast, a podcast by the Ocean Research and Conservation Association, sharing how scientific facts drive real environmental change. I'm your host, Aurora Aparicio. If you have any questions about this episode or any comments in general, feel free to email us at inquiries at teamorca.org. On this episode of the Orca Podcast, we have our guest Rose Blanchard on set. Thanks for coming out today, Rose. Yeah, no problem. We are going to be talking about toxin accumulation in produce, but before we do that, Rose, you're an intern this summer here, correct? Yes, I am. Uh, What have you been doing all summer? Well, I've been working on some literature reviews, learning about microcystin, um, and then I've been learning about the different routes that microcystin can take into the human body, all the different organs it affects, and then I've been looking mainly at produce and seeing how microcystins getting into produce, which then would be getting into humans as the humans eat the produce. So how does that relate back to what you're studying at Barry? Well, I'm studying biology, but I also have a One Health minor, which means, um, well, with One Health, it means you're looking at not only human health, but also how animal health and environmental health impact each other. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at this microsystem, which is in the environment, how that's getting into the plants, which then get into people, which impacts their health, it's really just a great One Health concept, which is what I love studying. So just sort of this interplay with humans, animals, and the environment. Yeah, it's how they're all interconnected. Very cool. Can you tell us more about your specific focus this summer and what the research process has looked like for you? Yeah, so when I first started at ORCA, I just started with a overview research on just microcystin in general. So I really learned about like what microcystin is, where it comes from, and how it gets into the water. So yeah. what is it? Where does it come from? And how does it get into the water? It comes from algae blooms, and it's a toxin. And that just puts it in the water. And so then I'm focusing on produce. And so the way it gets into the produce is through irrigation. So if someone irrigates their plants and their crops with microcystin, like in the water, then that Unintentionally, will get, yeah. Yeah, that'll get into the root system and up into the actual produce that then gets sent to market and consumed by people. Interesting. Was there anything new or unexpected about the conclusions you came across in this preliminary research Are there any misconceptions about produce that you want to dispel to our listeners? Yeah, so there were definitely some things that I learned that weren't really what I was expecting. I assumed that the major way people consume microcystin was through like drinking contaminated water. Mm -hmm. But through my research, it shows that people actually think that eating these contaminated foods like tomatoes and carrots is actually potentially the major way that people ingest microcystin. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about it. I don't think there's anything too like too many misconceptions to dispel right now because we're still in the preliminary results of trying to figure out if there's microcystin in these vegetables. So right now I think it's too early to say whether or not this is potentially a problem. Right. So you're saying that before you thought it was, you know, you thought it was just people drinking this water, but now you're, what you've read tells you that it's probably in some of the food we're eating. Mm -hmm. So now you're trying to test if it's actually in some of the food that we're eating. With your preliminary research, you wanted to become familiar with what's already out there. And 
adopt some of those methods that have been used before into your own design of your experiment. How did you do that? What did you incorporate? Okay, so when I was first looking at microcystin and produce, there was probably 40 or 50 different types of produce that came back that potentially could have microcystin in it. And so what I did is I went through and I saw which of these produce were popping up in the most reviews together. So they were commonly being tested for microcystin and also saw which produce people in this area tend to eat the most. So I was making sure that I was testing produce that was actually being consumed and they weren't like some obscure like vegetable that no one really eats here. I'm testing like tomatoes and corn. So just super run-of-the-mill common yeah. stuff that you'd pick up every week exactly. at the grocery store. Was there any other technical methods or steps that you took from your literature review and decided like, okay, this is how I'm going to extract this or this is how I'm going to test this? Um, Not really. There weren't a lot of details in the literature review of how they actually tested it. It was more like this was tested. These were the results. It didn't mm-hmm. really say how. So we actually took a procedure that they originally used for like fish and other leafy material. And we kind of changed that around a little bit and used that procedure. Okay. So what's that procedure like? Well, so we changed a bit. So what you do is you first take your produce, your vegetable, and you will take off any roots or stems that you have. You have to soak them in some distilled water and make sure everything's all clean. And then you're going to want to cut them up. And we ended up drying them in an oven, which we learned from trial and error, because if you don't, you can't make them into powder. So we put them in a drying oven overnight to really dry them out and dehydrate them. And then you get to add liquid nitrogen and crush them up into a powder, which I personally think is a whole lot of fun. (laughs) And then you add some methanol and do a couple tests and then you can see if there's any microcystin in it. So before you dried all these vegetables, crushed them into a powder, added liquid nitrogen to freeze them... Yeah, to lyse the cells and break them down into this powder so they're just smaller, more compact, and easier to test. So you're breaking open the cells where you think the toxin is. Yeah. And that way it can be released and you can test for Mm -hmm. it later on. Exactly. So before you did all of that, where'd you get this produce? I got them from four different stores in Martin County. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you just went to a grocery store and just picked them out just like anybody else would. Yep, just like anyone else would. You're almost done with the experimentation phase of your research, so barring just the conclusions of your study. Are there any insights that you can share with us? Not yet. We actually just got our first results back in a couple days ago, and they actually need to be rerun to make sure that our results are correct. So at this point, we can't really say much, but in the future, we might have some more information about it. So that's a normal procedure yeah. in science. Mm-hmm. You got your conclusion, but you're not sure. So you want correct. to, what do you do to ensure that that's... So A lot of times you'll either run it again or you'll send it to another lab. So we're sending out our samples to another lab and they'll run the exact same test. And if our test was correct, they'll get the same results. Hmm. That will confirm our information. I feel like that's a really good thing for people to know that it's not just one person running this test and, you know, in science, any small slip of the finger Mm -hmm. or whatever could impact your results. So you want to make sure that everything's sort of... Repeated a couple times to make sure it's all... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, What are some of the things we shouldn't take from the research that you've conducted? You're talking a lot about vegetables, things that people eat all the time. You're saying a toxin can be in them. What what shouldn't, you know, what alarms should not be going off right now? So I definitely would say don't think that because we're testing this that you can't eat vegetables. Don't (laughs) take that away. Like don't stop eating vegetables and just only eat meat. Definitely 
keep doing what you're doing. We're just testing these to see if it is a problem. We're in no way saying it is a problem. Yeah. So you're saying this is a theory that we have. You don't just get exposed to these things by drinking water that's contaminated. It can be up in the food chain since we think that's what's happening. We're going to test it. Don't go and change your diet all of a sudden just because you heard yep. this. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, we talk about different toxins being toxic and toxicity levels are different so what's toxic to a human may be extremely toxic to a fish or you know what's toxic to just a fish may not be super toxic to humans but that bioaccumulation that we've been talking about that buildup of toxins from organism to organism is what can over the long term be something to raise an eyebrow at yeah This is your last week at Orca. What have been some of the highlights for you this summer? I really enjoyed getting to work with everybody at Orca. So it wasn't just like, I show up, I do my project, I leave. I got to help out with other people's projects. Like I got to help my good friend Catherine work with her oysters. And so she'd like leave for a couple days and I'd become like the aunt of the oysters and I'd get (laughs) to feed them and make sure they were okay. Mm -hmm. I got to help dissect fish and fillet fish, which was a great life skill that I learned (laughs) that I didn't know how to do prior. I just loved getting to work with everyone and help educate the community about some of these problems that we're having. So what lessons are you taking back to Barry with you this fall? Um, I'm definitely taking back the idea that science does not work on the first try because (laughs) I'm not great at accepting that. And when Mm -hmm. something doesn't work on the very first try, I tend to get angry. Mm -hmm. And so I think this was definitely a great learning experience because with my vegetables, it didn't work on the first try and I couldn't crush them into the powder and Mm -hmm. I got sad. And so I feel like this was a great way to learn that like, hey, take steps, you'll figure it out. Well, thank you so much, Rose. I've appreciated having you on and hearing about your experience here this summer and some of the research you've done. So yeah, we will we'll see you next time. See ya. <laughs>